This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill here, Aaron Goldsmith. I... Aaron, I'm I'm already concerned. I feel like this is not helpful. This is the first time we've recorded Mariners Pod on on video. Uh, so I'm looking at you as we do this, and it's not helpful. Just so you know. Well, I take a great offense to that, obviously, Gary. And just for the record, I don't want to confuse people. This is an internal video feed only. This is not, not yes. like a publicized Zoom call. Yeah, that's You'd have why to put it, on a shirt. That's why it's weird. Yeah. Right. This is just for our collaboration purposes <laughs> and because I wanted to show you and your lovely wife, Mary, my luscious mustache, which it I do is, believe is the way to pronounce it. Yeah. This is actually really great. It's really coming in. I am I'm proud. I'm impressed. I mean, you've got a really great mustache going. I'm really excited. About well, this it. is this is day, um, I guess day eight, possibly seven or eight of the mustache. Mustache, and I mean it mustache, is. Mustache is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, mustache. Like, who's got the best mustache in the big leagues? Which is a very fair question. But I would say, for as dark as the mustache is, it it could use a little more uh, depth. Uh, filling in, uh-huh. which I, I've been told that comes in week two. So here's hoping. <laughs> Man, it is really too bad that this isn't a video pod. I I've never grown any facial hair. Imaginations. Well, now's the time to do it. Your hair is also barely in the camera shot. I mean, it is well, barely, barely there. This is a rare day where I've actually done something to my hair other than worn a ball cap because i mean right it's just it's just terrible man i know yours content your buzz continues to look strong well this is when having bad hair my whole life this is where it's really paid off where just shaving you, it, you've been like, waiting ah. for a moment like this yeah yeah Should we get has to... your beard become more calico, by the way? I don't know. Yeah, it has. It's absurd looking. <laughs> it's just very gray and red. It's just it's a unique combination. I feel like I'm too young to have this much gray, but that's the way it is, I guess. Now, if if I let this mustache go for like a month. Uh-huh. Let's assume that I'm I still have my marriage at that point. That's a big assumption. Will you will you shave everything but your mustache? For a month? Will, will you, yeah, if you, if I do this for a month, will you reward me with at least a week of just you and a mustache? Oh, I think I should. Yeah. How will Mary feel about that? Oh, she would hate it. Hate it. 
But it'd be worth it she, for you to have one. She really does not like your gen. Have you noticed that before? Uh, yes. It's It's been something that's been discussed many times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if I can fend Heather off for uh, three more weeks and keep this bad boy, uh, you'll be the first to know. Three weeks is a long time, my friend. A long time. <laughs> Especially oh, when oh. there's like no road trips in those three weeks. That is every day, oh. three weeks. She, she is seeing more of me than she's used to. <laughs> we'll see. It's, you know, it's something, it's something for the pod to monitor. Let's put okay. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We need things like that to keep tabs on. So we'll do that. What are we talking about this week, G-Man? So this is part two of our favorite games pod. And we have some really good stories. A couple uh, people recorded theirs, and we'll get to those. But first, before we get to that, there uh, some autograph stories have still filtered in, and there's one we just have to listen to because it's so great. It's from Peter Lowe, who sent in this. And can I tell you that he addressed his email to Gary and Eric, which I find the best. Well, I find it also terrific other than I do take great offense to how he spelled Eric, because clearly Eric Peter is spelled with a C, not a K. So I don't know if you're doing that just to aggravate me, because you know that that's a sore subject, that it is with a C, not a K. Or maybe you just, you know, forgot, which if that's the case, then that's fine. I understand. That stuff happens. But Peter, it's Eric with a C. Don't ever forget that. So what I like about this email is he said... He didn't know he had an autograph story till he listened to us talk about Edwin Hurtado <laughs> last <laughs> last podcast. Edwin <laughs> Hurtado and his plus eight ERA. So I really like this story. Uh, I have some things to say about it. Should we listen to it first, though? Yeah, I think it's okay. a good idea. This is from Peter and Titus. Peter and Titus. Hey, this is Peter Lowe, and I have an autograph story. And I know it's late, but I didn't know I had an autograph story until a couple podcasts later when Gary said something about pitchers with an 8-plus ERA. When you first asked for autograph stories, I thought, well, you know, we don't have any major league autographs. But when he talked about that pitcher, it got me thinking not every pitcher who gets to the major leagues makes a big splash. And I had a flashback to 2013, 2014. We lived in Spokane. And my son and I would go to Spokane Indian games. And what we wanted to take home was a baseball. And there was one day where we were there on the first baseline and a foul ball got hit to the bullpen that's right there on the first baseline. And we were, you know, a couple rows back. And the pitcher picks it up and he's looking into the crowd. And I'm standing up with my glove. Hey, over here. And he looks at me. And then he keeps on looking. He's not going to give it to that dude. So, so I'm yelling again and I'm pointing. It's for the kid, you know, because he's five. He's not going to catch the ball himself. So the guy finally throws it to me and I give it to my son. And my son's really excited. And the uh, dude next to us says, hey, you should go get that sign by him. Hands us a Sharpie. So my son goes down there with the ball up to the bullpen. And what are they going to do, right? He takes the ball and the Sharpie. But then he hands it around to everybody in the bullpen. So everybody in the bullpen signs this ball and then gives it back to my son. And my wife, later that evening, when we show her the ball, and she doesn't particularly care about baseball, but she said, you should save that and see if any of those guys make it to the major league. So we, we got out the program. We still had it. You can't read the signatures, but they all wrote their number next to it. So we made a list of names, and any time we had a ball after that, if we, uh, if we went early to the Indians game and got some stuff signed, we would always you know, write down the numbers and keep track of the names. Well, of course, that was years ago, and we would check every year, and it's single-A ball. None of them ever made it. 
But when Gary made that comment about 8 plus ERA, I realized we haven't checked those names in a really long time. So my son and I go back to the box and we <clears throat> look, look on the bottom where we wrote all the names and run them through. And lo and behold, Reed Garrett made it to the big leagues as a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers last year. Made his debut and he pitched for 15 innings at an 8.22 ERA and got DFA'd. So we do have a ball signed by a major league baseball player, albeit not a very well-known one. Thanks for doing the stories. We're loving them and we look forward to the day we can hear you on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Okay, there's a lot I like about that story. And he sent us a picture, too, of one of the baseballs. It's great. It's got the numbers. It's got the names. I love the idea of, like, anything short of an Excel spreadsheet to track all these guys and their progress <laughs> and everything. It's, it's, it's such a great story. Is short season reliever autographs the most deep sea fishing that you can do yeah right in all of the autograph pool i, I mean that so. is the ultimate just i don't know i mean who knows this could go anywhere <laughs> yes that's right i mean the, one of these guys could be mariano rivera the other guy might not ever pitch past today uh-huh so and the that is that, quite the niche that they carved out and one of them got to the majors which I think is amazing. Oh, it is amazing. Good for them. Good for them and him. That's pretty great. Yeah. I'm glad you sent that in. Thanks, uh, thanks, Peter. That was... With a C. With a C, Peter. No, Peter does Peter spelled with a P. That was a joke. It's a really good one, Gary. Thank you. Uh, there's a couple others that people... Uh, somebody, uh, Casey, sent in a story, too, and also volunteered to help uh, with my pile of cassette tapes, which I think I'll take them up on. <laughs> you need an intern, Gary. <laughs> I know. No, this is great. I will be emailing you back. <laughs> As I'm still just swimming in cassette tapes every single day. This is like my my hour away from cassette tapes. Oh, so one thing I wanted to follow up on, which I forgot to do at the time, I meant to mention... You remember our podcast where we talked about Rob and Rob had the double day Valley. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Rob sent us uh, his story and we listened to it. And it was great. The one thing I wanted to follow up and talk about, but I, I never did is, you know, Rob started to research, you know, Dave Valley. And as uh, we've gotten to know Dave Valley over the years, uh, we know that he's very involved in Esperanza. And, Rob was reading about Esperanza, and after he sent in the story to us, he decided to donate to Esperanza in Day Valley, which I thought was a really great thing to do. Way to go, Rob. That is awesome. And I feel terrible that I didn't mention that at the time because— You should feel terrible. Yeah, Esperanza does really good work, so uh, he donated, which is cool. I think I, I need to share my personal favorite Day Valley story. Oh, okay. Which came from my first week as a Mariners broadcaster in Peoria. And I've obviously never met Dave Valley before. He was out at a game and was on air with us for a little bit. And before the game, we did what we always do before the game, which is we eat lunch, right? Before a day game in Arizona. And so 
Now, it go, this really dates it because you know me very well. I have not eaten a press lunch in Peoria uh-huh. in like, I don't even, four years, five years. It's just you're better off in the concession stands of bringing your own. You just you don't want to eat the press meal. That's correct. Anywhere. This isn't just Peoria. This is just spring cactus training. league. It's a, it's a spring yeah, training just, rule. Yeah. Yeah, you're just better off. It's okay? good rule of thumb. And it's not free. It's not like it's a free meal. Actually, it might be. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Price, in this case, does not matter. Yeah. So I'm with Val, and I'm probably with Kremen, and I'm probably with Rick. And we go through this buffet, air quotes, Cactus League buffet. And they had, among other things, tater tots and sloppy joes. I mean, which is just great for the Arizona heat, <laughs> really. It's just... <laughs> that's what that's what you want uh-huh. really so val does what any true culinary mind would do who is on a um, i guess a low carb diet high protein low carb that is you basically make a border with the tots you go full 360 circle circumference with tater tots and then you ladle into the middle the moat you ladle you know what it is, the Sloppy Joe mix. Yeah, right. And then your meal consists of just spiking a tot with a fork and slathering it in Sloppy Joe mix. And I'm I'm watching Val crush this absolutely heinous-looking meal. <laughs> I'm like just attacking it like a Viking, okay? <laughs> That's easy. And he whoofs it down in no time. And I'm like, this is essentially my first impression of Dave Valley. Uh-huh. Okay, that he he will literally eat anything. So, what do you know? It that night we have this sponsors dinner, almost a banquet, maybe too small for a banquet. Sponsors dinner at the JW Marriott in Phoenix, this great hotel. And as a guy who has spent the last six years of his life in the minors. What I'm about to walk into is like walking into the Taj Mahal. Not only the hotel itself, but what we're about to dine on, okay? This is a meal full of some of the most delicious food that I had had in the last six years because, A, it was all free, okay? Uh, B, everybody was dressed up, gussied up, looking really nice. And not only could you have whatever you wanted, steak or salmon or lobster or who knows what, but they just had all these hors d'oeuvres out that just went for, seemed like forever for miles of just exquisite hors d'oeuvres. And I'm like, I'm not walking out of here until I consume like 1500 calories. <laughs> Done. Okay. That's happening. Cause I'm six years malnourished from the miners. One of the things they had, they had a full sushi bar. I mean, for those people who enjoy sushi, they just had like rows and rows of nigiri like salmon and tuna, like various kinds of tuna. And it wasn't like a take two and move along. It was like, hey, here are the tongs, man. You just, how many plates can you carry? That type of thing. So I get some nigiri. I sit down next to Dave Valley. Val's got some sushi as well. Some of the same sushi that I'm eating. And we're eating, we're talking, we're eating, we're talking. And he kind of elbows me in the ribs and he goes, hey, you get, you try the sushi? Like, yeah, man, I, I, I got the sushi. What do you, what'd you think of the sushi? I said, yeah, you know, I think it, 
like for banquet style sushi, uh-huh. right? Kind of grated on a curve. Like for banquet style sushi, I said, this is like pretty solid. And then he just looks at me, kind of cocks his head to the side and goes, ah, not quite on point. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Tater tots and sloppy Joe guy is now saying that tuna nigiri at the JW Marriott in Phoenix is not on point. Like, where are we coming from on this man? Like eight hours ago, you were eating like pig slop. <laughs> I put a tie on you, and now all of a sudden you got cufflinks, and none of this is good enough. I mean, that was the greatest. That was the greatest. I would say of all the people we work with, he might have the best sense of humor. Yeah. And he can eat. And he can eat, man. And he is not discriminating what he eats. Oh, his stories are the best. Yeah, I love Val. That's good. Uh, So I have a few favorite games here. Which is great. So, again, thank you to everyone who wrote in. Very much appreciated. You know, it is, when I read the stories that people sent in, it really rams home that baseball is truly the best sport. Because of how they yeah, because speak about- of Yeah, how they speak about the games and the connections. And the some of them are pretty touching in terms of family and things like that. I bet. You know, baseball is the best sport. Fact. So this first one's from Jackson. And it's great because this one is is weaved through uh, a couple different generations here. So Jackson is working from Salt Lake City for eight weeks now and enjoying the pod, which we really appreciate. So the most memorable game is sentimental for the family, but also baseball-wise. So in 2000... Jackson's grandfather uh, went to a series. They went to a series against the White Sox, and his grandpa had never been to a professional baseball game, but spent their summer nights kind of watching the Mariners with him and Wenatchee. And so they were Mariner fans, or Walla Walla, rather. They were Mariners fans, and uh, they went to this White Sox series, and it was their first time. And unfortunately, shortly after that, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and passed away in 2003. So skip ahead to 2013, and the A's were in town for a weekend series. So he flew in from Reno, Jackson did, and his dad drove his grandma from Walla Walla to the Saturday game. And so his grandmother went to her first first Mariners game. They went Saturday and they went Sunday, and the Mariners won both, including uh, Raul Obanez homered in the seventh inning and homered in the eighth inning during Saturday, and they came back and won the ball game which is pretty great. And then on Sunday, cousin, wife, four-month-old baby joined, and they, he sent a picture along, and it's just great. It's the grandma holding the baby. I mean, it's just – I mean, you can picture it, right? It's just fa- all family there, and his grandma's favorite player at that point had become Kendrys Morales, and he had a walk-off home run. His grandma was thrilled. The family was there. His grandma just turned 94 uh, now, but the family was there. And I just love reading the story because, to me – that's what it's all about, right? Well, and I love the fact that there's a grandmother out there whose favorite player is Kendrys yes! Morales. Yes, I know. I love that part, too. I wonder if that was the game that Kendrys was smoking a pig in the parking lot. <laughs> like, it very well might have been. It, it was been. very well might have been. That's like, that tr- really happened. That's a true story. That is a true story, man. That's awesome. That's yeah. very cool to hear. I like that one. So this is from Brian. Uh, the game he remembers the most, it was in 2015. Every year he goes to Disneyland for his birthday, which, first of all, 
I just want to, I love how that starts. That's a nice tradition. Yeah, it's a great tradition. You were at Disneyland. Not, oh, my gosh. Not, in the not-too-distant past. <laughs> that was a suicide mission. That was two years ago. Though. Two years ago, that's right. Seems like just yesterday. So, <laughs> so it goes to Disneyland every year, and the Mariners were playing Anaheim the same week of the trip this time. So he oh, waited. Nice. This, this was a wise wise thing to do. This was 2015. Waited for the pitchers to come out, Pro Bowl pitchers, before purchasing tickets. Saw when Felix was going to pitch and purchased the Felix tickets. I think that's the smart Pro thing move. to do. Yeah. Good seats, too. Uh, right field, it's about five rows up. Felix pitched a great game, which is no surprise. So it was nothing, nothing uh, going like into the sixth inning. And he talk, it's great. He talks about this play where he's looking down and saw Nelson Cruz on a ball that was hooking. And he looked to the infield, saw the runner halfway between second and third, trying to turn around. And he's in right field. Nelson Cruz makes the catch, and he starts yelling at Cruz, first base, first base, first base. And Cruz pivots to first, and he makes the throw to first base to get a double play. And he goes, and this is how Brian ends the email. He goes, I know he was close enough to hear me. I imagine he wouldn't have made the play without me. So Brian's taking full credit <laughs> for the double play, which I think is fam I think that's fabulous. I will say that. If you've never done it, and I know it, it's not the easiest thing for everyone to pull off, but there's something very cool about watching your team on the road. Like being in a po opposing ballpark and watching your team play. I think it is a very cool thing. You know, I don't think I've, I've never done that as a fan. Really? Really? Yeah. Well, I take, I take that back. I have done it, but it was... It wasn't in my prime fandom right. years. I get it. So there's there's twice that really sticks out for me, and they were both in Boston. And one is I went to a Sonics-Celtics game, and the Sonics were so – this was peak Peyton Kemp, right? I mean, this is Shramp, the whole crew. Uh, I think mid-'90s, somewhere along there. And they were so good, and the Celtics were so bad. So bad. And the Sonics just demolished them. And, you know, being a fan and opposing building, watching your team just steamroll another team. Like their best player made him Brent Zabo. I mean, it was just, it was bad. And uh, were you pretty obnoxious, Gary? I mean, it was hard to be too obnoxious. The Celtics are so hapless. I mean, I'm just thinking about how obnoxious you are on a daily basis, and then I'm inserting you into that. No, I am definitely not. Environment. The, I'm definitely not the one. Like, I would have been wearing Sonic gear, but like cheering, yay! But not like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get so beat do. up either. So well, yeah, they would do that too. I there. think there's some places you have to be a little more careful than others. Boston's probably one you should be careful. I, I, I'd I be went. Careful. I went to. This was the Edwin Hurtado story when Mariners Red Sox. Sure, yeah. At Fenway Park. And the cool thing about that game is Jeff Facero threw a gem. And the Mariners ended up winning, I think, in 10, like 2-1. to one. It was really cool. It was a fun game. And you got a priceless autograph out of a it. A priceless autograph. Uh, we should get Edwin Hurtado on the show to talk about Because I'm, sure he, he sure, sure I'm sure he's heard of it. Yeah, he remembers it from his yeah, perspective. Yeah, loads and listens. 
Yeah. So uh, this one's from Mitchell, who's a big fan of the podcast. And recently, really? dis- recently discovered it. All right, Mitchell. I wonder thanks how. For, thanks for jumping on board. I know. I like it. So uh, one of his favorite Mariner games is from last season. And it was the Justice Sheffield debut game, playing the Rangers. And it stands out because Kikuchi got the start and pitched well to open. And Sheffield came in and pitched three good innings. And Mariners were holding on to a 4-3 lead thanks to Encarnacion and his 4-RBI night. Which, by the way, I really enjoyed watching him hit while he was here. It was a short stay, but Encarnacion, he was, he was fun, Yeah, I thought. I agree with that. Including a, uh, a three-run home run. Got the parrot, got the whole thing. I was trying to think of Sheffield's debut. It was... Against the Rangers? Because, you know, when I think of Justice... You know, this this is true. Remember when Justice started against Paxton? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I absolutely that's what, do. That's what... Which I realized that was not his debut, but I think that's what comes right. to my mind. But I, rem- I now recall that yeah, there no, were steps before that. He pitched against Texas three innings. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, it is funny how that works, right? Where that's the one. That was actually his third. Because that was like the perfect script. Yeah. I mean, trade partners, yeah. the whole thing. Pitching against the Yankees, your former team, yeah. James Patterson. You were traded you for that traded guy. For, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's cool. He sent a picture as well. I like the pictures. I can't show it to you, but because it's the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitchell also said, by the way, that he referred to our Sean O'Malley game. He was there for that one as well, and he agreed with us that that was a great ball game. That's the one that you. Oh, he was at the game. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. All right, Mitchell. Thank you for um, validating my game that's great yeah i mean i try and steer clear from validating you on this podcast well, but i guess because you you did nothing but just poo poo it obviously <laughs> right. both, on and, both on and off the air like you were like i don't even remember that game Aaron. are you making that game up <laughs> well thank you mitchell hey we're playing that game mitchell, next do month you want, you i want to go as the podcast yeah when is it playing uh oh let me get the schedule out here uh, so the schedule, I'm not sure if it's been officially released yet. I guess we're almost in May. If it's not, I guess I'm not, I guess I'll be breaking news. So it's going to happen during, get this, it's going to happen during Griffey Week. That makes sense. I know, Griffey Week. So May 11th, I think this is pretty cool. So May 11th, which is a Monday, to May 17th, which is a Sunday. So here's Griffey Week. The first game is going to be... Monday, May 11th, when senior and junior go back-to-back. Okay. Which I think is really great. I'm bummed out that I didn't find room in the week for their first game, which I also have, which was against the Royals. And Bo Jackson was playing for the Royals. It's a really cool game. I'll play it at some point. But they get back-to-back hits. And I was looking at the video at the same time, too. It's watching a father and son in a major league game get back-to-back hits and then back-to-back home runs is impossible to believe. It's ridiculous. Like, that'll never happen again. No, it's never going to happen again. The fact they were on this, 
you know, listen to the highlight of them just taking the field for the first time together. It's like this is this is insane. Like this isn't happening. It's incredible. But it's here's the thing. It's it's such a part of Mariners history that it can be easy for all of us. Yeah. I agree. To kind of be like, oh, yeah, no, that happened. Yeah, no. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Or I remember seeing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't realize because you've talked about it for so many years yeah. and heard about it for so many years that this is amazing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, never going to happen again. So we're playing that game first, the junior, senior, back-to-back. The Mariners actually lose that game because Dave Winfield hits two home runs and drives in five for the Angels. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. And uh, you know what's cool is, from our perspective, they like they talked to Dave Winfield right after the game on the air. Like, Niehaus is talking to Dave Winfield. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too. This is amazing. Oh, my gosh. That is cool. So the game two of Griffey Week is when Griffey came back after the wrist in 95, and he beats the Yankees on a walk-off, which was great. And it was a ridiculous game. Mariners went 9-7. Buhner hit a grand slam. Edgar hits a home run, so that's cool. Game three is the last Kingdom game, which is a game I did not bring up in my favorite games, but this is one of my favorite games because it was the perfect way for – the kingdom to come to an end griffey hit a home run and he robbed a home run oh it was geez. it was perfect it was the perfect way and the mariners won they beat the rangers uh then friday is going to be old-time religion griffey comes in pinch hit home run to tie it and Niehaus with the great call right perfect uh, 16th will be the griffey retirement game which the sean o'malley game the three-run home run and the seventh for the lead and then Sunday the 17th, this one is really great. Uh, Griffey, three home run game against the Blue Jays, two of them off Roger Clemens. Ooh, hello. Uh, yeah. Mariners went 13-8. to eight. Have a slice of that cake. <laughs> it, just, it was just uh, like 10 days ago, so I saw the video highlights, you know, this day. I mean, right. the home runs were absurd. Just that swing is just – I mean, it's so awesome. far gone. It's great. It's Roger Clemens, too, which is perfect. I'm sure Roger took it well, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Took it in stride. Yeah. That's ah, okay. Way to go, Junior. It did remind me, we just played my least favorite Mariners game of all time on the air the other day. And it involved Roger Clemens, which is why I bring it up. Have we talked about this game ever? No. Playoff game. Uh... Roger Clemens getting the start for the Yankees in, I mean, and it's hard to describe what he did in that game to the Mariners was lights out. So this was 2000 game four and the Mariners were trailing two to one. So game four, pretty big deal, right? Clemens goes nine allowed one hit fan 15 and walk two. I mean, in context. Whoa. Yeah. One of the greatest pitching performances I've ever seen. That's the big time, man. That's the big time. That's amazing. Playoff game against the 2000 Mariners, which, I mean, that's a team that could hit. One hit. An Al Martin double was it. That was it. 
Not to go like, not to, I'm not trying to stump you here. Uh huh. Do you know what ending the double was? Like, was the double, did it happen early or did it happen like in the sixth or the seventh? I was going to say the sixth because he right, was so working, you... he was working on one for a while. I mean, and he, it was the kind of thing was like, man, he is just dominating. Like, is, is a hit going to happen? And now, Martin, if all the guys in that lineup, it's hilarious that it was Al Martin. Well, funny thing is, like, if if you struck out 15 in 2000, like, if he did that exact same thing in 2019, he would have struck out 25. Yeah, I know where you're going. I know, right? Because he struck out 15 with a lineup like, so A-Rod, Edgar, Olerud were the middle three. Guys that, <laughs> they didn't strike yeah. out, you know? They didn't strike out ever. And he struck out everyone else multiple times. I mean, Stan Javier... Great veteran, 0 for 4, three punch outs. I mean, I mean, 25 is obviously an egregious number, but he's punching out. He's punching 20 tickets. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I'm. I, I need to find your answer because I'm curious too. Let's see, Al Martin. Al Martin leadoff double in the seventh. Oh, all right. Then you're, 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 you're thinking this could happen. You go yeah. six. And at the, so the Mariners, think about this. Seventh inning, playoff game, Al Martin double. Then you have A-Rod, Edgar, Olerud coming up next. You're like in a 3 nothing game? This yeah. This could happen. Yeah, strikes sure. Out, Absolutely. Strikes out A-Rod, strikes out Edgar. Walks oh. Olerud, fans Cameron. So they had the So he really, got bad. He, he really got flustered by that double. <laughs> yeah, it really, really got, got to, him. to him. Really shook him. Yeah. Man, it's the thing that uh, – Probably doesn't t- – I don't know. You look at those – Mariners were eliminated in 2000, 2001 by the Yankees, but those Yankee teams were just all-time good, like great teams. That's an incredible performance. I guess we got off, off task. Wait, we have one more. This one is an audio version. Oh, nice. From Gary. Not me. Why did, You don't have to email your own podcast, Gary. It's very, very egotistical. But it's a different email address. It's not really emailing myself. It's <laughs> marinerspot at mariners.com. Okay, you want to listen to this one? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, here it goes. So I have two games, both from 2009, that are really memorable for me. The first one was, uh, was there with my brother, and Jared Washburn was pitching. And uh, somewhere in, around the middle of the game, the the staff or the the they had a technical malfunction at the field where all of the digital signage went down so there was no scoreboard there was no nothing on the big screen everything was was blank the only way that you could see keep track of what was happening on the game was the the hand operated scoreboard but i happened to be keeping score and what was so significant about that game is that jared washburn face one batter over the minimum and nobody knew it. He gave up a hit in like, I think like the fourth inning or something like that. And other than that, there was just, it, it was a perfect game other than that, that one hit. But the only reason we were able to keep track of that was that my brother and I were, were keeping score out there in right field. And so nobody around us knew, nobody could really tell what was happening. But I remember that as just being like, an amazing performance 
And just a reminder for me that like you got to always bring your scorebook. If you forget it, you got to buy one because you never know. You got to keep track that you are at that game. You never know what could happen. The other one is just a, a classic from I think this was also 2009. I'm pretty sure. And it was one of Griffey's one of Griffey's games in 2009. And we were there. We're sitting probably 300 level behind home plate, pretty high up. And and Griffey comes in to pinch hit late in the game. I can't remember what inning it was, but he comes in to pinch hit and we're down. And you just could tell and this you you knew that he was going to do something. And the, the whole stadium was just fired up and you it was like something out of a movie. I, they probably played like the natural soundtrack or something like that as he was coming up to the plate. But you could just tell that he was going to do something. And sure enough, he he hits a home run. And the place just goes already even more bonkers than it already was. And the thing that I love about that game is that that game, uh, I didn't, had no idea at the time, but going back afterwards and hearing the radio call of that, that is one of my favorite calls from Dave Niehaus of, of all time. He is talking about the Mariners fans craving that old time religion and then as soon as Griffey hits it, he yells something about the old time religion lives. And just, yeah, I mean, I go back and I listen to that clip over and over again because it was just fantastic from Niehaus and a great game to be at as well. Stories from Gary are great. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, no, they're always groundbreaking and very touching also. It's I've a told, Gary thing. I've told you my favorite Gary story. In San Francisco, you just referenced it before we I went did. on the air. I did. This is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not the upstage one. I mean, Gary. I don't mean to. I mean, Gary, your story was great. Uh. So, okay. Do you want me to tell this story quickly? Is that what you're? Uh, it's your podcast, Gary. Gary. That's it. So, I'm. I am, in the Bay Area. A couple of my friends went down to see my other friend who was going to grad school at the time at Cal. And so it was me, it was Paul Moore, and Joseph Owens and Ryan Cox. We're all there seeing Kurt Kessler. And we decide while we're there, we're going to Pac Bell at the time. San Francisco's yard wasn't that old at the time. We'd never been there. We're in the Bay Area. We have to go. Giants against the Cubs. And this is Bon Sosa at the time. So oh, getting awesome. tickets was not it was not easy to get, but we we managed, right? So we're in the outfield. And there are so many things I will remember about this ball game. First, uh before I get to the Gary is there was a guy a, two rows behind us and this place is packed. There is not a seat to be had. Every just humanity everywhere, right? And so there's this guy two rows behind us and he has his tape recorder with him. Cassette tape recorder, cassette tape recorder. And he is calling the game <laughs> as it's being played, which is something, you know, a lot of us have done before. Uh, I'm not making fun of that part. No, like I'm but laughing usually, at him as we were both the guy doing that yeah, at one point. But usually it's like we're tucked in a corner alone somewhere at like a park or oh, a single like a baseball game. game. Yeah. A horrible game. The tickets cost $5 to. So he, this was great because he is in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of everybody. And so 
because, and he was a very nice guy, obviously, so he didn't want to disrupt the people around him. So he's calling the action like, <laughs> like, like he's calling golf. Here's the pitch from Sean Estes. Strike over the outside corner. It was that was the best part. So the the guy behind us, he's calling he's calling the game. And then there's a guy next to us, and Gary Matthews Jr. was an outfielder for the Cubs. Gary Matthews Sr. played for the Mariners for a very brief time. Gary Matthews Jr., outfielder for the Cubs, and he's just playing the outfield, minding his own business, you know, playing <laughs> center field, standing out there like center fielders do. Guy next to us with an extreme high pitch <laughs> all game. Just repeating, Gary, <laughs> what's the matter with Gary? <laughs> Just over and over. The guy behind us, and here comes the pitch. <laughs> Gary. I mean, he. this guy's louder than the guy calling the play calling the play-by-play and it's it's just all going on all game long <laughs> Gary. and so i mean to this day i can still hear that in my head gary what's the matter with gary this... oh nine innings so... man nine innings <laughs> that's not even a good heckle i mean really so i mean it's not a good heckle and yet you're still talking about I it i know so i guess it was effective you know, I mean, no one or Gary probably remembers it. What is the matter with Gary? I have no idea. You think play-by-play guys got a job? Like, I do hope you think so. we see him? You think we see him like around the big league someplace, bet, and we just don't know? I bet we do. At what point? At what point did he realize this is not going to work? <laughs> I mean, that's. <sighs> you know, when I was when I was in the Cape League. I called the road games to tape. Like we, we did not, we only broadcast home games. We did not broadcast road games, but I wanted to still call the road games because I wanted the reps, right? Like I went all the way to Cape Cod to call baseball. And so I would call the road games from like all these ridiculous places around the ballpark. Like I never was in a, booth let alone like i wasn't even in a press box and i was all over the place man and we were in chatham and the crowd for whatever reason and i was more on the sparse side and so i set my gear up and i ran my extension cords and everything and i just ran them into the crowd and i sat next to our bus driver and like just a normal part of the crowd and like you know cape league fields are the stands are small. They're like glorified little league fields, really, or high school fields. And at first I was like, this is great. Like, I'm going to have my best vantage point that I've had all summer because I'm kind of behind home plate as uh-huh. opposed to way down by a foul pole. And, man, like three pitches into the game, I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> this is so embarrassing because – there's not much noise, and when you're calling a game and you're projecting, I mean, everybody is hearing you. Everyone, umpires, players, guys selling popcorn, moms, dads, girlfriends. I mean, everybody. It was so – and, of course, I was terrible 
I mean, I was, it was my second year broadcasting. I was awful. Oh, it just, so, I mean, I say all this, like maybe the kid in San Fran at least was like, maybe not that many, only the people in my halo will hear me. Uh-huh, right. Right. Like in Chatham, they all heard me, man. <laughs> all heard me. That's yeah, a good. Oh, so embarrassing. He was better off. That's a good he point. Was, he was better off. Yeah, he was better off. I mean, this way he's only going to serve like whatever, 15 people. Right. So one last story. This one's recorded as well. This is great. I mean, this is from Jonathan, whose very first professional game was July 5th, 1989. Ken Griffey Jr. rookie year multi-home run game. What? Yeah. How great is that? Oh, my gosh, Jonathan, way to go. Yeah, here we go. My Mariner story is an obscure game in 1989. July 5th, 1989, Mariners were playing the Minnesota Twins. I was 12 years old. I lived in a little teeny tiny podunk town in eastern Washington, just north of Walla Walla. And we only got four TV stations. And anything playing the Mariners was not one of them. So my grandpa had given me a Major League Baseball sticker book when I was a kid. And of course, I loved the Mariners because they were as local as could be. They were the closest team to me. And they were, they had the same birth year as me, 1977. So I connected on that. And of course, as a Little League player, I just loved baseball. And so, you know, the other teams that I liked, they were all just based on the logo. Right. (laughs) So inner discovery of baseball cards when I was about 11 years old. So a year before this game. And I remember opening up a Fleer wax pack in 1989, just before this story. And it contained a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. And I remember looking it up in my Beckett monthly and thinking $3 and 50 cents. Wow. This, this guy might be interesting. And my dad surprised me and one of my younger brothers by driving over to Seattle. Uh, we were over here for, for an event and um, ended up taking us to a Mariners game. So that was my first ever professional sports game. And it just really sticks out in my head for a very significant reason, though. Ken Griffey Jr. only had 16 home runs that year, only. It's pretty good, right? But he only had two of those games were multi-home run games his first year. And one of them was that day, July 5th, 1989. I remember already being starstruck, sitting in the 200 level out in the outfield, looking at Kirby Puckett out there in center field at the time, and just being starstruck by that. And then this kid, everybody was calling him the kid, comes up to the plate, and I recognized him when his face was up on the screen or his his name was up on the screen as the guy in my, my baseball card that was worth 350. And he smacks a home run, I think it was the second inning, in the section right down in front of me, right center field. And I was just gobsmacked by this guy. It was one of the most exciting experiences I'd ever been a part of because as a 12-year-old, that was my first ever stadium experience. And then later on in the game, I think it was the sixth or seventh inning, Griffey's up again and he smacks another home run to almost the exact same spot, right center field. And I just remember being awestruck at his power, watching that ball come down right in the, the covered seats, the section down in front of me. So, and I still have the ticket from that day, $3.50, general admission, 200 level only. Anyway, 
that was the day that I became a real Mariners fan. And that was the day that Griffey Jr. turned my world upside down when it came to baseball fandom and just making his mark as the greatest player I've ever seen play. That's amazing. I mean, what are the chances? First game. Do you remember your first professional game you went to? I mean, not like that. First of all, Jonathan and Gary before, thank you for sending in yeah, audio. that's like, great. We love that. We love that. This is a podcast, and we love getting audio, so thank yeah. you for that. Like, I can remember – I mean, I consider St. Louis my hometown. Like, my formative, formative years were there, but from the time I was a, like essentially a baby till sixth grade, I lived in Kansas City. Uh, and my parents actually moved back. They now returned to Kansas City. Um so like Coffin was my first ballpark and the Royals were my favorite team and like George Brett and all those guys, Bo Jackson, Brett Saberhagen, like th that was like the first crew of players that I rooted for just blindly. And that was a pretty good core to blindly root for. Um, like I can, re I vividly remember like getting a mini bat. Like I really wanted a Royals mini bat and I can remember walking around the ballpark, but I don't have any, sadly, I don't have any memories of like this date, this player, mm. Which maybe if I was maybe if I was older when I went to my first game I would remember that. But do you do you remember your first Kingdom game? I do. Uh, I well I remember one part of the game. So I we I grew up in Tacoma, so I went to a ton of Tacoma Tiger games at the time, A's uh, affiliate. But the thing I remember about the first Kingdom game, my first Mariners game that I ever went to, it was against the Yankees. And the part I remember is Don Mattingly crushing a home run, like upper deck to right field. And I had never seen anything like that before. I mean, just destroyed the ball into right field. And that is literally only thing I remember from my very first Kingdom game. That's pretty small. Do you, do you, that's, that's a good memory, though. I mean, Donnie Baseball. Yeah. Do you feel like you're looking at Don Mattingly right now? Yeah. You have uh, a lot in common with the with the mustache. Thank you. Uh -huh. I appreciate that. I feel like I do too. That's a good memory, though. That's a very good memory. I mean, but isn't it amazing how few playoff games Don Manley played in? So, you know, as I'm going through all of these, uh, all these games. One of the things, listening back, because 95, I, I spent a lot of time doing because of the tapes and everything, so I listened to some of these games over and over and over. It was amazing as I'm listening to the first game of the Division Series in New York, and Don Mattingly comes to the plate, and you have never heard an ovation from a crowd like the one Don Mattingly got in that first playoff game in his first at-bat. Because, That's cool. I mean, he is... Mr. Yankee. And it's hard, I think, for people of a certain age that know the Yankees as a team that has gone to the playoffs every year for seemingly forever. I mean, Mattingly went his whole career until his final year never going to the postseason. Yankees never making yeah. the playoffs into his last year. Mm. And then he gets bounced in the division series, and that was it. You know that? Mariners celebrated, obviously, from this perspective. I mean, think about how crushing from oh Don gosh. Mattingly's yeah. perspective. And the Yankees hadn't been there forever. 
and just in an epic series, they get bounced. But it's amazing. He, all those years. crazy. Yeah. People would never guess that. I wouldn't have guessed it till I stumbled on it however many years ago. I mean, that's you. You're right. You would never think that he went his whole career till his final year. And the fans knew it too, man. I mean, they sure. cheered him like you wouldn't believe. Just, you know, just recognizing that. And at that point, I mean, I think it was clear that he wasn't coming back either. Dealing with the back. I mean, he's still productive, not at the same level, but he's 34. You know, not not old. Right. Donnie Baseball, man. Still the yeah. coolest. What a cool dude. Yeah. We got some good submissions on this one, G-Man. Yeah, we did. That was a good one. I would say so. This is fun. It's uh, so great when we get carried by listeners. <laughs> that's, I mean, I guess I shouldn't come on and say that, but that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking to get carried, um, by, carried by the listeners. Yeah, I mean, I would say... Uh, we could try to hide our intentions better than that mm. and say it'd be like inspired by the listeners. Oh, inspired. That's a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired. It's... Which, you know, we, like if you, if the listeners give us, you know, the meat of the dinner and we'll season it. <laughs> That's right. And we'll grill it too. We'll put it on the grill. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll cook it up real nice. But, we, you know, if, if you can give us the meat, that'd be good. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely fair. Interactive. I mean, Carrie, you you look exhausted right now. I am exhausted. You look, you know what's amazing with a mustache? You don't look tired at all. That must be no, a mustache. I look incredible. And with my 13 inch hair, I mean. <laughs> it's, and really, I look refreshed. It's like I've been on a vacation with. A wife and three kids for the last month and a half. <laughs> uh, Don't you think? Yeah. That's yeah, good. Good work. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we'll uh, I think we'll come up with a new topic this week. Okay. And uh, we'll reconvene at this time next week. And We're open for topics, too, if listeners want point. to send those in. <laughs> Do all the lifting. That'd be great. Derek, just be, gosh, just. This quarantine is really getting to your camouflaging judgment abilities. Yeah. Meritor's pod at Meritor's.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but it is always a pleasure, Garen. Yeah, this is fun. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll do it again next week. Okay. Bye. Until then. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.